Strong Women on KEXE KBXE. It's conversations with and about rural women in northern Minnesota. I'm Heidi Holton, and it's made possible by the Arts and Cultural Heritage Fund and the Citizens of Minnesota. In Strong Women, we host focus groups that are confidential. We've touched on lots of different topics in the past about how women apologize too much, the Me Too movement, how COVID took a toll on women. And in our most recent focus group, we invited a group of women to talk about climate. Laura Connolly is our facilitator for the Strong Women series. Welcome back to the studio. Thank you, Heidi. So it was your idea to kind of take our focus group in kind of a different way. And why did you think nobody had really been talking about this, about how women are related to the climate movement? It was after I had read a book, All We Can Save, and it's a compilation of a lot of different essays by women and how they're working on climate. And I thought, oh, I bet that a lot of the women around here are doing things in their own way, and we should learn from them how they're thinking about it, what they're doing. And then we intentionally invited a cross-sector of people who are educators, activists, therapists. I mean, just a random mix of women. I do think when you think of climate or you think of like how it's talked about in the media, that it is generally male voices that are talking about it. And it's also a very kind of a far away concept sometimes of like the, that's a more philosophical or scientific conversation, not that personal. So I wonder if you'd talk a little bit about climate and women and feminist principles and how that all kind of works together. Yes. So a lot of the stuff that you read about that women are working on when it comes to climate, they're rooted in these feminist principles of cooperation, relationships, healing, regeneration, restoration. They're very communal in nature. They're all about bringing people together, increasing awareness, taking action, standing together around the issue, making the changes that we need to make to actually turn this around. You know, people are still saying we could if we all got our acts together. Right. One of the first things that came up, or we could even see right away, in this was a Zoom conversation, that climate was a, a personal issue to these women. Absolutely like in the way in which they talked about their lives Mm -hmm. and what they were doing. And it wasn't even really like, I mean, there were people on the, in the focus group, they're scientists in there, but they were talking about it in a different way in terms of the relationships that they have. Um, They, a lot of women talked about this notion that we have to heal ourselves as a people in order to be able to heal the earth and our relationship with the earth. And one thing that really stood out to me, which I have thought about, but I never could name, and they named it, was this idea of, you know, unless we have a solid relationship with nature and the earth, we aren't going to take care of it. And, you know, like, well, hello, duh. But when you listen to people, like you're saying in the media, talking about climate, I don't hear that. Right. And that was a big thing that a lot of the women talked about. Yeah, and also uh, climate has gotten political in a way that doesn't, you know, I don't think political parties have anything to do with your relationship to the earth. No, they shouldn't. <laughs> yeah. They it- both should want that. So can you talk a little more about that healing ourselves in order to do this work on climate? 
Yeah, so the the women talked about it in terms of, you know, if you're not, you have to be connected to yourself. It's like this spiritual aspect of human beings that we need to foster and rekindle and grow, and that increases our consciousness. And then when that happens, you inevitably connect more with the natural world. And you remember that the natural world is a living organism and it is all connected and we are all a part of it. And by not being connected to it, we're, we're hurting it. Yeah, I'm, I'm of course thinking of our student phonology reports that you hear on KEXE and KBXE. So these students are kind of doing that. I feel like when you hear it on the air, that's what they're doing for adults is they're automatically connecting it to like this bird I saw or you know this week we had some great stuff about go jump in a bog and get muddy yes they told us to do yes. you know and sometimes we're hearing that too that the next generation gets what's going on but that we maybe don't yes and that that came up in our group for sure there was one woman who said something I think she said, when I was growing up, I used to do like somersaults or flips in every lake I was in, right? And so she grew up loving the water and loving nature and now works in, you know, an environmental organization because she had that solid connection to it. But if you don't have that connection with the water, then you probably aren't, it's not in your mind to worry about it and then a lot of people talked about how the kids nowadays are growing up hearing right you have to care for your earth and like some of us on the call we grew up littering right because we didn't know yeah you know and then no recycling no no yeah and then we learned and now we don't do that obviously but it, yeah, it's definitely the uh, the upcoming generation, but it's a huge thing that they're going to have to face. You know, so like I have a 16-year-old. I know that climate change is going to be a big part of his adult life that he has to work on that. Mm-hmm. And my 14-year-old, right? Right. This is Strong Women. We're talking about our most recent focus group. We talked about climate with women from all different aspects of life. There were activists and educators and experts, environmentalists and healers and people that just are very interested in it and doing doing things in our community to make it better. Another topic that came up I thought was so interesting, and you really rarely hear about this when it comes to talking about climate, was consumption. Yes, the mass consumption is a huge problem, and every person on the in the focus group agreed, and that you know women in particular get targeted a lot to buy more. Right, you need more to be beautiful, to fit into you know society on some level. Buy, 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 buy. Right, and a lot of the women on the call are intentionally trying to not play into that what did you hear in terms of like the day-to-day and how they were trying to not play into that kind of stuff well there was one woman who talked about how she's gonna have a grad was it a birthday party or graduation party Uh, some party that she was that was coming up where she was gonna have like the tiniest bag of garbage when it was over because she wasn't going to buy anything off of Amazon to have the party. She was going to, like, borrow some dishes from her sister-in-law and just all these things that they were doing. 
Um, another woman is runs a retreat center. It's all about sustainability, just really caring for the earth, being connected to the earth. That was one thing that also was fascinating to me, how many women in the group referred to the earth as Mother Earth. One even said, my life has been about how can I best serve Mother Earth. I mean, that's not something that you typically hear in mainstream media talking about climate. Right. That's a very feminine perspective. Well, there certainly are leaders in kind of climate that are women. Um, It feels like any other aspect of life where women are behind the scenes doing a lot of the work and maybe not out in the forefront. Absolutely. And I think that the other huge thing that came out in this one was this idea that in order to solve this climate crisis, which is quite frankly the biggest challenge of our time, is it's going to take combining some of the Western science with the indigenous knowledge and the traditional wisdom that's the only way it's going to happen. And women are recognizing that in far greater numbers, I would say, than we're aware of. Mm -hmm. On that front, when it comes to kind of consumption and thinking about all the things we do have access to that maybe we shouldn't have access to, was it just me or did you, I loved the conversation about crab legs. (laughs) Yeah, that was fast. I, I honestly hadn't ever really thought about it like that. Yeah. But absolutely. So one woman said, you know, as consumers, we have to be asking a lot of questions of, you know, producers and what we're being provided and what we're being asked to buy. And she said, why do we have crab legs at the grocery store in northern Minnesota when crabs are coming from thousands of miles away? What is that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just think it's it's so interesting. We get so used to all this capitalism and the buying and that you know, you, oh, I have a hankering for crab legs. I mean, we're not saying don't eat crab legs, but it, it's true. Why are, why do we have access to all of these things that are being trucked in all the time that really are not part of the ecosystem of where we live? Yes. And why don't we have greater access to the, why isn't there much more energy and a focus on creating these sustainable local food systems? Yeah. So that we can thrive here without the dependence on stuff that has to be brought here from thousands of miles away. Very true. And, and the whole consumption talk, the, you know, combining with the indigenous knowledge, science, traditional, led to talking about, you know, we need to change our economic system so that it works for the earth Mm -hmm. and for people. So rather than have it be this process of extraction and mass consumption, how can we create an economy that's regenerative and that's healing? And women are talking about that and trying to do some of that legwork, right, of getting those systems in place to make that actually happen. You know, you mentioned the woman that's running a retreat center and and kind of how she approached it. I was so taken by that about speaking of regenerative because I think 
she has set up a system where you can come and use what they have or be a part of what they have. And if you can't pay for it, or if you have some skill, that's how you pay for it. You barter it. Now, that's not a new idea, but I don't even think in those terms. Like I would, I would think, what, I have nothing to barter to go use some of the facility there where she's created this whole thing. But we all do. Certainly I could. I could go talk about books or I could go, Absolutely. you know, there's lots of different Make things. Bread. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and we don't think about that, that we all have these skills that we could pass on to somebody else and that they're worth something. Right. And just the fact that she's taking that approach to that is remarkable. Her and her partner, that's their philosophy. And it is also about equity. Like if you don't have money or something to give, give a little bit of your skills with your hands. Right. Donate a little labor. We talked a bit about there were some educators in the group. Anything stand out to you in terms of how teachers are approaching climate, women especially? Yeah, so that was really focused on kind of encouraging a relationship with nature. Getting young people, and well, adults too, because they were doing adult education as well. Getting them connected to nature, getting them to think through like simple changes that people can make in their lives to help improve the situation. Really coming from like a love of the earth. We also, of course, as when you meet in these strong women focus groups, almost always people are talking about the books they read and where they're learning and all of this stuff. So you can find, we're going to put a list of those books out there on our website at kexc.org for you to find out more. One that I know you've mentioned to me and you mentioned in that group, what's one of your favorite books right now when it comes to climate? The Regeneration. Regeneration, Ending the Climate Crisis in One Generation. Yeah, absolutely. And then... And it's so good. And then the other one that came up was braiding sweetgrass, which is should be on the top of everybody's list this summer. It's beautiful. Yeah. So good. So we will have one more focus group before the end of June. And I'm thinking we may stay along these this theme. Thanks so much the women that took time out of a beautiful night to be on Zoom, which we all hate. Absolutely. <laughs> but it gave us a geographic people. Reach. Yeah. Reach. Yeah. It was, they were from all over. And it worked really well together. As always, as we learned, the people who show up are the right people to be there. Yes, it does. It works every time. Anything to kind of leave us with in terms of women and climate and, and um, this connection to personal healing as well? I think that when I was off of the Zoom, I just felt more hopeful. And I felt ready to do the work and be committed to helping be a part of the solution. And what's that going to take? And just listening to all the women and knowing how many are out there doing all these remarkable things is really, really wonderful. Yeah. Laura Connolly, you've been listening to our conversation about our strong women focus groups. Thank you for your expertise in this and keeping people talking and being a part of strong women. Thank we, you. It's been an amazing series and we will we will go forward and keep keep connecting with women. Thank you, Heidi, and thank you, KXC. Tell me, do you see those horses riding? 